I just can't say enough for the curation abilities of live binders and what uh, without the tool, it, it would make this a lot more difficult. It's very readable. It's very understandable. And, and the framework of live binders makes it easy to concentrate on the information, not on the tool. John, good to see you again. <laughs> good to see you, Tina. I like when we connect, even, you know, just informally, because I love the information that you're curating in your binders, and I'm I'm always curious to learn. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. I know school's starting yeah. over at Butte College, and everybody's excited. Class is back in order. Almost Absolutely. everybody's there again, right? Yes, we're uh, we're back to almost uh, full capacity on ground. Very exciting to to see uh, student population increase, and uh, students are excited to be back. I think the allure and and being enamored with the idea of uh, remote learning kind of started off strong. The realities of learning loss are pretty profound, so that loss also comes in the form of just being amongst your friends and socializing. So uh, it's been been a really good week so far. Great. 2022, 2023 is going to be great. Great school year. Absolutely. That's my prediction. Yeah. Yes. So uh, we were talking earlier and I had said that I, you know, I, I love, you know, getting in touch with you and catching up on your binders and, you know, these dashboards that you've put into the binders are really interesting to me. And you started with that COVID binder with the Johns Hopkins dashboard for tracking COVID cases, which when I, when you started, I remember it was like in the hundreds of thousands <laughs> and I remember watching it every day yeah. and I would go to your binder and just check on it. And now it's obviously many more, yeah. many more digits into it, um, yeah, many it more sure years is. into it. But the dashboard concept is really interesting. Putting him in the binder, I want you to talk about that. You've got this other one that I, I wanted to kind of get you on the mic to, to explain the data threat dashboard information binder that you created, I think a couple of years ago now. I did. You know, it, I would say that the uh, the COVID-19 binder really started off uh, recognizing that that information was was changing in, in real time so dramatically. Uh, we were all looking for any type of uh, information possible, you know, regarding what our protocols were, how we were going to respond and, and deal with life. And, and to that, I collected that information using a, a tool that I've just become really accustomed to using the very same way that I would have done before computers and three-hole punching information and, and trying to collect that information, and that's live binders. So data threat binder was actually kind of a, an analog to the uncertainty of the environment we were in during COVID really happened as a result of some of the things that were happening while we were all trying to go through online learning, uh, while we were trying to stay connected, uh, companies were trying to stay connected with employees and so forth. There were also threats amongst us all the time, and it became a curiosity to build this data threat dashboard. Uh, and I really didn't know what information might've been out there to begin with. Hmm. So I started researching uh, just to see what was there. And I used a lot of the cyber threat, anti-cyber threat companies out there in the, 
in the antivirus world, the malware world, and just said, well, what do you have? What is out there? And I was really amazed at how much public information, uh, more as just kind of a public service that was being offered from these companies in, in kind of reflecting a real-time view of kind of a macro view of their own collected information about what was happening in threats and, and downtime and so forth. Yeah, let's let me just open up one that I know looks just awesome. This this first one that you have here, Live Global Cyber Threats. I was surprised that you didn't know that these things existed. And then when, you know, I would have been pleasantly surprised too to know that they're offering this data in a visual, dynamic way that just makes it so much more engaging. Yeah. Like this map right here. Tell us what it's telling us right now. Well, what that's really indicating are are threats that are uh, potentially in motion and by way of either direct server-to-server contact, uh, server-to-distribution environment, regardless of their location on the globe, these threats in real time are are essentially being tracked and then graphically represented as this tracking uh, data shows on the global map. And then over to the left, you see directly, uh, and, and it can be slowed down for speed so you can get a sense of each one, but literally That's thousands nice. per hour are are tracking into into that environment. And this, let me just say that overall, what I found, and the reason why I have more than one resource is that depending on which company, I would get a portion of a view. And some of that view would overlap with another company's view. And where it overlaps, it, it kind of started to represent more of a mosaic of the big picture. And although I, I can't really, I don't have the know-how to create a an entirely connected view of all of those things layered on top of each other in one tab, I felt that if I had those three tabs in red up at the top, that I would get a very significant amount of real-time outage information. Um, And by outage, a threat typically can lead to an outage. It might be um, a very insignificant amount of downtime from a user's perspective, or it can be seconds or minutes or hours uh, of downtime. So it kind of depends on the intensity of the threat and the amount of um, uh, threat uh, work that that has been going on by the bad guys, so to speak. You're seeing that in that there's there's a view of it that is basically tracing from a source to a destination. Right. And so that's what you're starting to see in that global map. And that's just representing what that um, that rotating screen is over to the right. And then the quantitative view of outages per unit time is what is up in the upper left-hand corner. Okay. So let me read this for those of you that might be listening and for those that are visually impaired. What I'm looking at is a map of the world, the flat map, and I'm seeing red dashes Primarily, usually I see it much more busier, but when we opened this up, I was seeing a lot of attacks coming out of, I would say, central United States, a lot of it going to Colombia, some of it going to India, some of it going to Bulgaria. So look in the newspapers and see what's going on. We don't know. There's one that just went to Costa Rica. I saw something from California attacking this location in in central United States, like it was pointing to that particular location. So these red lines, yellow lines end up hitting a dot. There's one that just went to Japan from the U.S., another one going to South Africa. 
And then over on the left, what John was talking to is we see these red dots, yellow dots that we that correlate with the attacks. And it says, you know, Andromeda for one, uh, fishing, Trojan, kind of yeah. explains what it is. And it goes very quickly, but there is a dash plus or minus that you can slow down the attacks so you can read them more. But then above that is a graph that shows, you know, it's got May, June, July, all the way through August. That's probably got 12 entries or something. And then it shows yeah. you the number of attacks starting at 20 million. And the highest that I see is 140 million. The highest that I, I mean, on the graph, but what I'm seeing here is July 24th through August 3rd, there was about 120 million hits that were going on globally. And then over on the right of that map, it says top targeted countries, which is really cool. So interestingly, one was Mongolia, two was Georgia, then Nepal, Indonesia, and Guatemala. So top targeted industries, for those of you who are interested, education, government, and healthcare. And then it says top malware types, adware, backdoor, and phishing. So what a really useful graphic that I, I did, you know, even just looking at it without you, and this is why I'm so glad I invited you on is I didn't even get the, the breadth of what I was looking at. And when I, and I'm just noticing now on the map too, the red stands for malware, purple stands for phishing and yellow is exploiting. I don't right. know exactly what exploiting means. So an exploit, typically an exploit virus is something that launches something else. And, mm. and, you know, malware is, is probably at, you know, at a, at a colorful view of red is probably most frequent and probably most infective at a user level. So an individual laptop or computer, but an exploit virus can actually be more harmful at a server or at a, a distribution level of many computers inside of a domain, because then it can attenuate behavior of the system. It can change the behavior of a system, sometimes without the users really knowing it or network admins knowing it until it's too late, like, for example, with ransomware and such. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so interesting. It just, it doesn't tell me where in the United States this central place keeps spitting out stuff, but I just saw one from Portland, Oregon, and another mm -hmm. one from Arizona somewhere. But it, it, it is fascinating. And I'll, I'll tell you, the reason I kind of latched onto your binder with this is during in February when Russia invaded Ukraine, I was Absolutely. just trying to see what kind of activity. And there was a lot going on in Central Europe there on this dashboard. But there are other maps that you have going too. So let's just check out the three red tabs that you have in your binder. So the first one that I just opened was the Global Cyber Threats. Yep. And then this one, this next one is called Thousand Eyes Outage Map. So these are these are when the site, the internet actually goes down. Correct. So again, a global map, and we're looking at circles on the map in various areas. The smaller the circle, I guess it it levels, you know, the severity of the. Correct. Yeah, so severity is going to be a severity in the number of servers attacked or servers disabled. Mm. So, for example, you can see in the left-hand panel where it says applications and it shows things like Dropbox, LinkedIn, yeah. Reddit. Mm -hmm. And then over to the right, far right, would be network owners. So you can see that Amazon, for example, is in the fifth position there. And other, other network owners 
are showing where a threat has turned into an outage. So, yeah, I'm concerned about Amazon being on there. I'd imagine, I guess, people are attacking all the time, but they're experiencing an eight-minute long outage. Is that what that means? Yeah, and so it's saying that it's affecting 18 interfaces. Now, that probably in the, in the literally millions of interfaces that exist in the user environment of yeah. Amazon with, yeah. with the interaction of a user in whatever circumstance, it's a very limited penetration and attack in the environment that got in. And, you know, that's, those things can go from 18 to 100,000 in seconds. Wow. Okay. So de they're definitely infected is what this yes. is telling me. And so something's Correct. happening. Okay. Correct. That's and interesting. There, and there have, been, there have been times when this particular information dashboard, if you will, has been proliferating tens of thousands of, of outages. And typically we start seeing those concentrated in areas of the world. You can see that by far and away, the, the number one area, even for the modest number that's showing on the screen right now, we only have a few servers affected. But in the bigger picture of things, it's the United States that's under the largest frequency of attack. So this one, I never really, I think I played with this a lot during the invade, the initial invasion. And I was trying to understand, I think what I did was I just clicked, there's a graph at the bottom, a menu bar, which I don't understand any of the acronyms for, but I, if I clicked on it, it would remove it from the screen. So I Correct. wouldn't have to get all the data that was showing. But what is this data? It, it basically shows a globe of the world. And in certain regions of the country, you see these blue, it's almost like a, an airline, you know, how you track them, the flight of an airline. So you see these yeah. lines going across the globe. It's this blue light. And I assume that the, the color represents whatever is, you know, modeled down below. Yeah, so it it is. Uh, this is a more comprehensive view where the, the the first the the global dashboard filtered it into three categories of of malware, phishing, and exploit. This one takes it more completely into deeper dive inside the malware or inside the vulnerability, inside the places where the bad guys can get in, if you will. So this this. Uh, Time, it's not really a timeline, but your application line at the bottom as you engage with that and turn off each of those particular squares or, or rectangles, you can start to clean up and remove things from, from the kind of clutter and, and chaos of, the, of what the global view looks like. But as you can see, there's, there's, there's a lot on, going right? on in Europe uh, oh, presently. Yeah. And then as it comes around to the United States, there'll, there'll always be a fair amount going on in the United States. And I did, too, take a look during the uh, initial invasion. And then at a point forward in time from then, mm -hmm. when there was a heightened concern, just discussion-wise, media-wise, there was an actual increase in the number of threats. So... You have to spend a little bit more time deciphering the information. It's usually best then to use the actual link to Kaspersky's website to gain a little bit more insight. Matter of fact, I can see I have a I have my own vulnerability there. I didn't leave the website. Yeah, if you could put that link to the website, yeah, then we can go yep. there, right? I but it did, I didn't say what this was. It is called Kaspersky Cyber Threat Real Time Map, and it's yep. embedded using an embed code into the binder. 
Correct. So it's a, Correct. it's, you can get the visual right there, but if you do want to go to the website, John's going to put the link in the binder. You mentioned in your forward about the down detector problem and outage tab, but I'm not sure you what that is for. Let's see. So down detector, I really, I happened across this one when there was a very large outage of Verizon network in California. And it essentially, if you go to the facing page and, you know, it says real-time problem and outage monitoring. And you just type in, if you were to type in Verizon, for example, okay, um, right now and do a search on Verizon, the list that would come back is it says no current problems. But when Verizon was having outage problems, it was massive and there were, there were mm. thousands. Um, mm. And what I found was this is a really great tool for local issues. Uh-huh. And it relies directly on people reporting. So in the, in the areas where large server farms of Verizon equipment might exist or uh, Amazon or you know, any, you, one can link up with that information in real time and realize, boy, if the Bay Area has got downtime going on right now, that's going to affect me in, in rural Northern California and, and so oh, on really? and so forth. And the other thing that it allows is it allows an individual to report a problem by way of connecting here. So even if you don't think problem relates, it, it might. And it's always a good idea that uh, to report back information that is within the area that is, you know, potentially affected and why. But you know what I'm going to do is anytime I'm having internet connectivity, I'm just going to go to your binder and, and go straight to this tab to find out what's going on with my connection. That's convenient. Yeah. Like I now will, I now understand what this is. I wonder if you could just write that a little bit in your binder. I know you say real-time problem of outage monitoring, but maybe for yeah. internet subscribers, maybe list them because on in the tab, because that page is not iframe friendly, it just shows the thumbnail. So that's a good point. Um, I'll you do could that. probably make a note because this this is great. I could definitely use this. So if I wanted to see if like Amazon was having any issues. You With that. could go right to the search bar and type in Amazon. Okay, I'm yes. going to do that right now. So it's got the Alexa, it's got the Amazon shopping, and it's got AWS. So AWS says there's no current problems, which is good. So then that report that we saw earlier about Amazon may have been the shopping network or some other Amazon yeah, I suspect property. So. Okay. Exactly. So this is yeah. where I could dive in deeper from looking at Thousand Eyes. I guess it was Thousand Eyes internet outage map and dive in a little bit deeper here to see what that company says about it. Great. Yeah. And as you can, as you can see, you know, um, uh, in, in looking, you know, breaking down Amazon a little bit more, there are multiple server distribution systems that specialize in certain aspects. So that, that the idea of a global complete outage of Amazon for all of the aspects of its business is pretty unlikely because yeah. Alexa is separate from AWS, is separate from music and so forth. Yeah. But uh, because they're all Amazon companies, they, you know, it's certainly important to to start drilling into that data to find out more about what is uh, at, you know, at issue in particular. Yeah. So this is great. This is like, I just want to, you know, I don't want to search necessarily. So I could use the other map to just kind of tell me, oh, who's showing, who's showing yes. up. And then if I want to know details, or even if I know if I'm experiencing something, I could go to your, your data threat dashboard, 
to the down detector and give my customer feedback or just do a little more deep dive from the Correct. company itself. And by the way, yes. when when I did the Amazon search, for those of you who aren't seeing, it came up with uh, seven properties. So the Alexa, the Prime Music, Music Unlimited, Prime Video, obviously Amazon Shopping, AWS, and Amazon Freebie, which I've never heard before. But I, I'm not going to go try to figure out right now what Amazon is down, but it definitely gave me the tools to do that if I wanted yeah. to. So that's very yeah. cool. Then in your binder, you've got four tabs in blue. And I don't know if they're similar to the, the ones that you have in red at the top or just additional information that you thought was cool. So um, what I tried to do, like, for example, with the Akamai uh, global web application, that if, if, um, if you move into that one briefly, that one will kind of give you an idea of how, how much data is moving. And this happens to be data through the the Akamai use so it's not a it's not a global view of a hundred percent of the data at a hundred percent utilization it but it is an idea of how much data is actually being moved around the globe so as that globe will continue to move you can see that there's a big explore button in the middle okay but the, on it. but the yep but the macro view of 93.56 million hits per second in a utilization of 13.42 terabytes is pretty astounding because, yeah. you know, it's just giving you an idea kind of quantitatively of how much are we really talking about here. And that's a stunning amount of data. If you move, uh, there are some moving uh, links there, one to North America. If you click into that one. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking at a globe that's spinning. Right. And in the globe, they've got these, uh, imagine it like a premiere of a movie where they have these light spotlights coming out of the location on the globe. So there's many, many spikes of these yellow lights heading out into space. And I'm looking at a 3D model that's spitting of the globe, by the way. And then above each one is like a satellite dot that tells you what region. So it's got Asia, Oceania is looking, you know, facing me now, and now it's rotating away and I'm seeing Africa, Europe. Antarctica is always staying there, so I could click there. But now I'm going to wait for, well, here comes South America. Satellite, I'm calling it a satellite. It's just an interactive button. And there's North America. So if I click on that, as John suggested, it uh, zeroes in. And now I'm looking at a 2D map with lots of different size circles, mostly on the East Coast. Yes. So what is that telling me that there's just a high concentration there? I would expect West Coast um, too. It, it's, it, it, there would be a West Coast uh, version of that. And I think if, if one uh, clicks and holds their mouse, you can actually Oh, I can scroll drag it. Yeah, across. I'm dragging. Okay. Yeah. It's just such a big yeah. image, which is very nice. I only got east, the eastern coast of the U.S. But still, relatively speaking, California doesn't have... It's concentrated Bay Area and uh, Southern California. Well, I guess that's true for every state. It just looks so much more. It just looks just busier on the East Coast. You've got large circles for major cities, of course, like Boston and Pittsburgh and Dallas. I see Atlanta, and then you have tiny circles, which you know, which and and all of those circles, Tina, really kind of represent more of a quantitative view, the bigger the circle, the higher the traffic or okay. capacity and utilization. I guess. Um, and so, you know, is it, 
if it's a very wide area circle, then it, it would really represent that traffic going through the Akamai, what they call their intelligence system. Right. Um, that's the other is thing. Much yeah. higher than in other areas of the globe. I see. So, and this also represents their client base, right? So it does. It okay. does. Yeah. I see. And and that's why I wanted to make sure I didn't represent it in in red in terms of intensity right, or right. volume. I, I I kind of subordinated those to more. It's interesting, but it doesn't necessarily represent threats. It represents more kind of movement and flow. Yeah. And if you can imagine all these other uh, access points other than Akamai, you know, that already right. is showing a lot. So just be the, you know, um, the tip of the iceberg, as they you say. Yes. Yes. So the next tab after that, just to kind of go through this fantastic binder is says threat, but internet hacking attack attribution map. So how is this right. different? So what, what this is representing is more at the, uh, you know, fundamentally at, uh, let's say the website level. So let's, let's say, for example, some particular website is using WordPress and there happens to be a vulnerability in WordPress that hackers have gotten, gotten in touch with and Mm -hmm. are now going in and surgically attacking at more of the, uh, at, at a hacking level for a particular outcome that might be site specific, it might be domain specific, it might even just be a service providing, you know, type circumstance, like things like FanDuel or, or places that, you know, are kind of a combination of social media, but also have a, a presence in the, in the world of internet transactions. This is more probably about hacking for the money rather than just a, a take something a down malicious purpose. The malicious purpose is to extract something mm. mm-hmm. it, at the scroll bar at the bottom. You can see every now and again, it'll say, Oh, Japan, USA, Denmark. And then if you read the line directly across that, that data scroll, that is literally tracking by IP address what's happening, including things like, well, there's a server offline and it's got a bad BIOS or, you know, things, things of that nature that are now ultimately at the machine level by IP address. But I want to explain visually that it's a, it's a black screen with a map where all the countries, global countries are representing bright green lines, like a neon green. And then you see these circles with red dashes going from one city to another city across the globe. And then below that is this scroll bar with a bunch of text, almost like the computer prompt. And it's funny what it, if you really read it, like here it says USA with an, with an IP address, you know, is against Korea with an IP address. And then yeah. there was one that said, you know, Australia IP address uses something in the US and it says connection not so good. So it's almost like somebody was typing in I don't know. This one here says USA IP address uses heartfelt something against something, something. It's good for business. Uh, it's and just it, f- funny. Yeah. And, and so there's a, there is a, an aspect to it that, that is kind of humorous, which I think gets into you know, some aspect of, of the, the, the coder's mind and, and how, how they look at things and often kind of in a cynical view. But it is really at the, 
at the server or device level that you're seeing that and, and by attribution uh, to the device itself using the IP address. So it's, a, it's an interesting view. Yeah, I found the, uh, the, the wonders of how uh, it made noise and things like that kind of funny. And it also reminded me of 1982. And yeah, exactly. It has that game. Yeah. Game yeah. For it. Old, old style fighting. Yeah. Um, let you me just let's move gotta on. Got to be old enough tab. to remember that. Yeah. I barely remember that. <laughs> I was going to say you probably don't remember it at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just saw it in a film somewhere. <laughs> so this one is interesting. I like the color schemes. It's in a nice mm, pastel gray, I don't know, powder, powder steel, blue and grays. And it's yeah. got a global map and it's showing, it's not showing lines of attack, but it is showing little, like, you know, like you saw in, in the 80s, shoot them up, you know, space Correct. games, these bullets that are going across the screen. And again, it has a prompt down below where it's reading data very quickly. It's telling you what the data is, how serious it is and where it's going. A lot of it is going towards the United States in this one. I saw a lot coming out of the U.S. and the other other maps, I'll have to say. But what is this Fort tonight? Fortinet? So Fort Fortinet is another cybersecurity company out there. They're, they're more in the... They, are not necessarily a retail provider. They're more of a medium to large scale corporate protection group. So they're making, I think, probably only a, a portion of their data available. And, and for obvious reasons, they want to make sure that they're showing the potential customer that, oh, this is, you know, this is good and real-time information, but at the same time, not necessarily be detractive to say, well, if uh, this is how often Fortinet comes under under attack. So again, I put it in blue because it was interesting, but it really doesn't represent a larger macro view of what's happening in terms of the global mosaic in the in those first three tabs. Yeah, it's almost like they had this technology that if you're a customer of theirs, you would use full scale, but they're just yep. taking this general information to kind of make it an interesting. Yep marketing uh, opportunity for them, I guess, on their website. But it is beautiful and it, it's very clean interface. It's kind of interesting, but a lot is going on, a lot of attacks going on in the U.S. territories, it looks like, Central yeah. Central Europe there. Yeah, I was going to say the next one is I, kind of a contrast, uh, Bitdefender, okay. same idea uh, as what we just saw with uh, Fortinet. This one is filtered into three general categories, attacks, infections, and then just spam orientation so that activity on this kind of uh, pixelated view of the of the globe on a flat screen on the top portion of the page is then fed from data that's showing up in this constant scroll of individual device because as as we know whether we we like it or not every time we agree at a user license level we are subjecting our information to be used, anonymized, but used. And that use case of data being reported at the device level and at the individual user level is then collected and can be reflected here in real time with what's going on. So this is more representative of what's happening computer to computer. Ah, interesting. 
Bitdefender is a is a, a relatively large malware and antivirus company out there. And they're, they have a free wall. So a lot of the information that they're collecting is from their free versions. And then if you want mm. more security to kind of close it off, then you can buy more services from them. But the intention here is just to give kind of a relative view of, yeah, we're under attack and it's happening all the time. And whether it's device to device, server to server, or system to system, it's an all day, every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, thousands per day. Yeah. So it says, you know, red is actual attacks. The yellow is infections. So that means they've been infected? Yes. And then it's showing you the live attacks in the middle. But over on the right, it says locations. Are those the ones that are causing it or being the recipient of these attacks? Because the United States is number one. This is on the recipient level. Okay. So United States is number one. Okay. So United States is number one. Turkey, number two. Romania, number three. China, four. Netherlands, five. Fifth place, Canada. Um, six is United Kingdom and then Brazil and it goes on, but it's just curious. It really kind of brings it home a little bit, the meaning of, of what's going on there when you see these, these countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So pretty much that's your binder. I know this, this reference tab that you have at the bottom, I think is great because you summarize each of these applications in a little bit of a table, just a little bit, you know, if you wanted to kind of remember what that application was for, you do have a little summary here. But, you know, on some of the other stuff that we looked at, if you can add a little bit more on that one, I don't know if it was down yep. detector that I thought was pretty cool. It was because it, it didn't uh, didn't have a backwards. Uh, it didn't have a way for someone to look into it deeper. I think it was the Kaspersky. Was it that one? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having that, providing that link so we could go in yep. and play with it more. And this one just, to, you know, I think the one with the the down detector, I think is one I'm going to refer to a lot, but maybe explaining a little bit on the side what to the users, you know, if you're experiencing a problem with your application, go see if it's down and yeah, please report it because that's what this tool does, which is great. Yeah. It, so yeah, this is awesome. Down detector works very much in the same way that Waze does for traffic data. Okay. That's great to know. Can you put that yeah. on there? Yep. Um, because the more information we can give, the better we all are, you know. Yes, exactly. A bit more complete, I like complete that. view. Yep. Yep. Um, I like that example that you just did. So this is this was fun. Um, you're making it really useful to kind of use data that's out there, putting it in a, a context that's easy to get to. And, you know, you don't have to put it in a bookmark. It's like, Here's the data threat dashboard. You know, you know which tabs you're going to go to because it's pretty fixed. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to exploring more of your your information research. <laughs> Thanks, John. My my big stew pot of, uh, of publicly inform you know publicly available information. But it, it it really I just can't say enough for the curation abilities of live binders and what uh, without the tool, it, it would make this a lot more difficult because, you know, really within a span of, uh, you know, a couple hours worth of work, and that's really at the refinement level, the, the actual collection and curation of the data and getting things to embed properly and so forth is is the majority of the time. But the, the reality is that with a minimal amount of formatting in a very consistent way. It's very readable. It's very understandable. And, and the framework of live binders makes it easy to concentrate on the information, not on the tool. Yeah. And I like that you can explain something to the, to the audience about how to use 
you know, these dashboards, which you don't necessarily get when you're just on the site. So your interpretation of that is helpful. Well, John, thank you for your time. Happy to happy to give it. I, I enjoy it uh, immensely. And um, this is great.